Our scripture this morning is from James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, 22 through 27. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. He chose to give us birth by his true word, and here is the result. We are like the first crop from the harvest of everything he created. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, They misled themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this. To care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. The lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now we are reading from the Common English Bible translation, and as I say to folks, I encourage you, woo, somebody's out today, I encourage you to go back and read these words in the biblical language that you're the most familiar with, but to look at other translations of the scripture because we can also glean wisdom and insight from seeing how others have interpreted the word. Now, we have just spent a few weeks hanging out with the church in Ephesus. We've been listening in on this conversation between them and what I've been calling maybe Paul the Apostle. And as you may remember, or maybe not, I mean, let's be honest, I don't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So let's, let's just go with maybe we remember. Um, these letters, the, the epistles that we had been spending time with, were direct correspondences between leaders of the new Jewish movement at the time. They were addressing specific concerns for each new church's context. So... Corinthians, Ephesians, so on and so forth. And that's why we spent so much time together teasing out the specifics of each community and then bringing it back to what we can learn from the similarities and the differences between what we know to be church and what those first century Jesus followers knew to be church. Well, this week, we are entering into a different kind of letter something biblical scholars refer to as New Testament wisdom literature. Doesn't that sound exciting? 
This means that these particular letters were not so much a response to a particular question for a particular community, like Ephesians is, but they're more like, in modern terms, an open letter to the editor, if you will. It was something, this letter, that was to be circulated widely among several church or Christian communities. It was with the understanding that, in particular, this letter of James, it would contain general wisdom, something similar to like, I don't know, like the book of Proverbs or um, you know, Sirach in the, the Hebrew scriptures or what we in the Christian communities call the Old Testament. It was intended to create conversations around what it means to be a church together. What were the moral and ethical expectations of Christian communities at the time? And some scholars view this epistle or letter as having no overarching outline, which I think we can see in those few scriptural lines, that it seems to jump from concept to concept. In fact, James may have been simply grouped together um, a bunch of small thematic essays, almost like a, like a notebook of thoughts and ideas that the writer had. And that differs significantly from the purpose and origin of the what we call the Pauline or pseudo-Pauline letters, those letters to specific churches written by Paul or maybe Paul. And this is great for us to have this kind of a thematic essay collection because it gives us room and permission to use our theological imaginations, our imaginations about God and how God works in the world when we take what we find in James and then apply it to our everyday Christian walk here as 21st century Christians. And beloveds, let me tell you, that theological imagination, (laughs) that is going to be really important. And that's something that I believe we are going to need to lean, lean really heavily on in the next coming weeks, months, or years. Because, as I mentioned earlier in the service, Our world is a hot mess right now. It's in turmoil in a way that so many of us are wondering where God is. And that is where our imaginations come into play. And that is where these ideas can really be fully fleshed out when we talk about it together and explore it together. In centuries past, There have been thousands of sermons focusing on something in particular that James highlights here. It's this idea of works versus faith as a means of accessing or maintaining access to God's life-giving and transformational grace. One of the most famous detractors of this letter was Martin Luther. We all know Martin, right? He was the the one who started the whole Reformation for which we are here today because of. Martin Luther was firmly in the Apostle Paul's camp 
of salvation by faith alone. That was the verse in Romans that spearheaded that whole Reformation moment and the breaking away from the Catholic Church. And in fact, he so disagreed with the concepts found in James, specifically that faith without works is a dead faith, that he felt James shouldn't even be part of the biblical canon. He didn't think it expressed, quote, the nature of the gospel, because as far as he was concerned, it appeared to contradict Paul's statements about justification by faith. And in his mind, it didn't directly mention Christ. And I will quote one of his amazing backhanded compliments. Therefore, St. James's epistle is really an epistle of straw compared to these others, for it has nothing of the nature of the gospel about it, end quote. Luther actually had some amazing insults for just about anything and everything. I highly recommend you do a Google search. All you have to type in is Luther's insults, and you will get pages of how he would throw shade at anyone and everything. But that's what I want to talk about when it comes to theological imagination, that even some of our most revered leaders in our Christian traditions had differing opinions and different ways of reading the biblical texts. Which means that even when we disagree, or as we talked about last week, that midrash, that talking back to the texts, we are still fully within our Christian tradition to do so. But Luther's shade is not really what I want to talk about, although it is an epic topic, and we can certainly talk about it later on. But what I want to sit with is this argument of faith alone being the means for salvation. And I am using the root of that word, salvos. When I talk about salvation, I'm talking about healing and wholeness. I want to sit with that argument versus the discussion that is raised by the writer of James when he writes, or they write, you must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in the mirror. They look at themselves, they walk away, and they immediately forget what they look like. In other words, or in today's culture, let's talk a little bit about thoughts and prayers versus taking direct action in times of crisis. Amen? Because I believe that this is worth talking about. I believe based on some of the conversations that I've had with folks over the last week, the last few days, the Facebook posts I'm seeing, the the tweets that are going out. This is something that has been weighing heavily on a lot of people's hearts and spirits. Certainly in the face of the chaos in Afghanistan, where regardless of what your opinion is about the military pullout or our president, the chaos there has resulted in significant losses of innocent lives. Losses which are sure to increase over the next couple days. 
in the face of this incredible spike in new COVID infections, 99% of which are ineligible yet unvaccinated individuals who are putting our youngest and most vulnerable folks at risk. Or in the face of the impending landfall today of Hurricane Ida on the very anniversary of Hurricane Katrina's devastations 16 years ago. Now it's a category four storm and Katrina was just a category three. Or one of the many manifestations of the labor pains of our natural world, which is evident in uncontrollable wildfires or drought at the same time where there's flooding and seemingly irreversible environmental changes everywhere we look. And how so often we hear our thoughts and prayers are with the victims of fill in the blank. And those are coming out of the mouths of politicians, out of religious leaders, out of other Christians who claim a Christian faith. Thoughts and prayers. But those thoughts and prayers are not enough. It's just not, especially when we consider how the gospel, the very good news of Jesus Christ, is rooted in doing, in works, not just in personal or public piety, which that's what thoughts and prayers are. It's bringing it back to our own Jesus-following community. And we, as United Methodists, come from a tradition of doing. We come from a tradition that embraces a both-and approach to living our faith out in the world. We are called to have thoughts. We are called to pray. And we are called to care actively for the widow and the orphan and the refugee. The James text is asking us to use our imaginations to explore what that means, which is really hard, right? Especially when so much of what is troubling in the world today, quite frankly, we as individuals have very little control over. Or do we? That's the question. Can I be real with everybody here? Okay, thank you. Fire away. Here we go. All right? And because you, well, let's be honest here. Whether you said yes or no, I was going to be real. This being a caring, compassionate, empathetic, spiritually connected being in this world right now, maybe these aren't the original words I would use to describe it, but it's not the greatest gig in this moment in time. Amen? It is hard to see and imagine where God is when we are in such turmoil in our world, our inner worlds and our outer worlds. It is the furthest thing from easy to seek and find God, to even want to do it. And it is really, really hard. 
And I don't know about all of you, but I often find myself, usually late at night when I'm trying to sleep, just spinning my wheels, trying to make sense of all the noise of the world, to make sense of this existence that we have brought children into, how heartbreaking it is. Never mind try to figure out how to solve the world's problems and to do it with thoughts and prayers seems almost impossible because it is. Quite frankly, it's not difficult to understand why so many folks walk away from the church or question the sincerity of us as Christians when thoughts and prayers are just thrown at a crisis like a tiny band-aid on a gaping wound. Sometimes it feels like we forget that we are called to be doers of the word as well as hearers. Because it really can feel like sometimes thoughts and prayers are all we have or all we have the energy for. But let's look at that verse again. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror and forget what they look like. What is the word but the word of God? And the word of God is Jesus Christ himself. As John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We must be doers of the word. We must be doers of the Jesus way. We are being called to look more deeply at what it means to do what Jesus did, what Jesus spoke into being, what Jesus modeled for us. To be Jesus in a world that is so desperately in need of what he offers, which is healing and wholeness and an authentic relationship with God and with others and with ourselves. And how do we accomplish that? But by doing, by loving God and loving one another as we have been loved Those were the very words of the word of God. When we are doers of the word, when we put our thoughts and prayers into real action, we can change the world one little bit at a time. We create spaces where the kingdom of God meets the needs of the world and we create something here on earth as it is in heaven. So what does that look like for us here in this space, in this community, wherever you may find yourself, in whatever part of the world you inhabit, which oftentimes feels so removed from what is happening out there in the world? Just as Jesus performed everyday miracles in the lives of everyday people, so too can we. Being a doer of the word 
is not about suddenly giving sight to someone who has been unable to see or any of those other truly miraculous moments in the Gospels. Being a doer of the word can look like anything when it is done for the glory of God. When it is done not from a sense of obligation or from a place of paying thoughts and prayers lip service, but from a place of deep spirituality and God connection. It can look like giving blood at a Red Cross donation center in anticipation of the need that will arise in the wake of the hurricanes or in a worldwide crisis like a pandemic. That is being a doer of the world, a doer of the word. It can look like wearing a mask to protect the most vulnerable, to love as you have been loved. That is being a doer of the word. It can be reaching out to New England refugee organizations that are this very moment preparing for the arrival of Afghan refugees and just simply asking, how can we help with their transition, loving the refugee doing the word. Being a doer of the word can look like making eye contact with someone who seems to need a friend. Genuinely asking, are you okay? And then listening to them. That is being a doer of the word. It can be as simple as sending a text message or a card or making a phone call to someone who's been on your mind lately and letting them know that you are thinking about them no matter how much time has or hasn't passed since you last talked or maybe buying two or three backpacks, filling them up with school supplies that can be dropped off at a local school. That is being a doer of the word. Or writing notes of encouragement not just for doctors and nurses, but for our janitors, our food service workers, all of those who participate in the running of our facilities who are performing life-saving work. That too is being a doer of the word. Or buying birthday cupcakes or baking a cake for a local nursing home maybe doing it once a month to celebrate our folks who are so often forgotten. That is also being a doer of the word. When you become a doer of the word, your doing becomes your practice of the word of God. And when you practice something, you make progress. You make progress toward creating the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. You only get good at what you practice. Amen? Amen. Even what can seem like the most mundane or insignificant task or displays are sacred works, sacred and holy doings when done for the glory of God. 
When you do these things, you are putting good into a world so desperately in need of the reminder that there is goodness still in existence, that there are still good people, that God is still moving and speaking and working, not just in the biblical text, but in our time and in our space, and it is being done through us. So do not be discouraged, beloveds. When we hear the call to be doers of God's word in a world so overwhelmingly broken, do not be discouraged. Instead, let us rise to the challenge to thoughtfully and prayerfully seek out the broken places where love can break through, through us, where we can make a difference when we reflect the light of Christ into the darkness, when we remember that being a doer of the word is being a doer of what Christ has done for us. And then once we have accepted the challenge, the next step is to do it. May we all be inspired to be doers of the word today and every day. And may it be so for each and every one of us.